Welcome to the Hope for Parents with Struggling Teens podcast. My name is Brandon Joffe. My hope with this podcast is that I can touch on relationship and mental health issues in a way that is more helpful than some of the resources out there and that we can weed out some of the unhelpful trends in the industry of mental health and figure out what really works in fixing our relationships and the stuff that doesn't feel so good going on in our heads. The Inspired Resolution Center is dedicated to helping families with teens. So I'm going to talk a lot about teen mental health, parenting, and of course, the different family relationships that go on in families with teens. I wanted to record a a short podcast with you because we were discussing Mm -hmm. something that I think is really important that a lot of parents struggle with. One is stopping the things that don't work without your child necessarily making the changes that you wanted them to make. If I say, Mm -hmm. hey, stop the things that don't work and stop the parenting and then they see instant results with their child, they can continue to stop the things that don't work. It's when Uh the only benefit for a period of time comes from your not participating in the chaos. And maybe things don't get significantly better at home. And and the only reason they're better is because you are not adding your 50% of the chaos. I was hoping people could hear how, what it was like for you to stop doing things with your parenting that didn't work. So that was a real challenge for me because I am a problem solver and a researcher. And so when my child was really continuing to display challenging behavior, I was just like, well, I am smart enough to solve this. I will find the right expert. And a lot of great experts helped a lot along the way. And then several years into a lot of good help, we kind of were still in the same spot. I was like, wow, I have spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money. And we're not really doing all that much better. And that wasn't a lack of expertise on the part of the people that were guiding and helping us. Um, As my son started to really transition into those teen years, things got way more challenging. And unfortunately, there had been some cracks in our relationship. Mm. And that was really starting to show. So kind of accepting that we were really going to be on a non-traditional path was my responsibility. I kept trying to push him on a traditional path. And then I really was fortunate to find experts like you that really are willing to say the hard things that maybe other therapists aren't willing to say. And one that really stuck with me was your child may not change, but you can still be better. You have 50%. Your 50% of the relationship can be better. And I was like, okay, well, I control that. So how do I start making this relationship better? And that really was about letting go of the expectations of schooling, letting go of trying to control the internet in my home, letting go of my dream or my expectation, kind Mm. of mourning what I had envisioned. My boys have a large age gap. I was in my early 20s when I had my first child. I was in my mid-30s when I had my second child. And I was like, if I raise that child in my 20s, then I'm going to be a much better mom in my 30s. And and so it really was challenging to accept that we were on a non-traditional path. But once 
I accepted that and said, okay, well, then I'm going to be the best mom I can be on this path. And that's going to look a lot, that's going to look different. And there's not a lot of people on this path. So I'm not listening to anyone that's not on this path with me because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of societal and parental pressure to do things the way everyone else is doing it. I I think most of us parents, we have a vision, we have a fantasy for what we want for our child. And some are very specific, Mm -hmm. some are kind of more broad. But when that fantasy shifts, most parents are okay, right? So if they're not going to be the professional athlete, but they're still going to be somewhat successful, that's okay. Or if they're not going to do, you know, certain paths, but when it's totally blown out of the water, we are not on the path that other, you know, we're on a path that maybe some other parents are going to judge. That becomes really difficult for parents. And what I've noticed is there are a lot of parents out there who believe wholeheartedly that if they just stick to their guns, if they pursue their child being successful in the way that they at least somewhat envisioned, that that if they pursue that relentlessly, they are being a good parent and they aren't giving up on their child. And I'm all for putting in the effort and doing what you can to help your child get on a path that we know is healthy and good. However, parents will pursue relentlessly that, but forget to pursue relentlessly the relationship with their child. No one outside of this group and a few other parenting groups that are really targeted at children who have no compliance talk about the relationship. It's assumed that the relationship's just going to be there. And you have this vision for them Mm -hmm. and you are helping support that. And Mm -hmm. so to me, there's this assumption that the relationship is just going to make it. And there doesn't have to be active action taken Mm -hmm. to cultivate and maintain that relationship. The turning point for me was on November 30th, 2020, your homework assignment was to put down your triggers, what's triggering your child, those insane conversations what it's about, what it's important, and where does it rank. And that homework was so pivotal for me because it made me realize everything else was secondary to the relationship. But it was my homework. I sat with it. I spent time reflecting on it. I sorted it out. I left with such clarity as to how I was I would judge my future actions. Mm -hmm. So when I go to meetings with educators regarding my son's attendance or lack of attendance, I can sit at those meetings and I can confidently speak to why I'm choosing what I'm choosing because his relationship with me is important. His relationship with the family is important. And unfortunately, pressure I would need to put on him in order for him to be on a traditional schooling track or a traditional childhood track caused me to very much sacrifice that. Parents don't realize that they're sacrificing the relationship for something that doesn't work. If I had to sacrifice my relationship with my child for a period of time, but I knew for sure she was going to be happy and healthy and successful, and that was going to be the only thing that made her happy and healthy and successful, I would sacrifice it. But the fact is, is not having a healthy relationship with me is not going to help anything. And if I'm doing things that aren't working anyways, why would I continue to do the things that aren't working, even if they should? And again, I think it comes back to almost this 
unconscious pride of being a parent. I have to be a good parent, look like a good parent, feel like I'm a good parent, rather than I'm going to problem solve and focus on the things that work and get rid of the things that don't work, even if I really, 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 really think that they should work. That decision isn't conscious for most parents. It's just kind of what they do. It's interesting to hear you say that because when I came to group, I was looking for parents who had positive experience in residential programs. I found some success stories, but I knew what residential would do to my relationship with my child, or I had an inkling what that would do to our relationship. And I was willing to do that if he was going to be in a much better spot, but no one could say. And everyone that I pushed and asked, and I said, but what about this? But what about our relationship? People didn't want to say it, but it was kind of understood that like, yeah, the relationship between you and your kid may not make it. And that was just about the time that Paris Hilton and Kat Von D came out with their stories. And I read those things on the internet about their experiences and I could hear the hurt in their relationships with their family. And I thought, yeah, I don't know that our relationship will survive that. I would do it if I had to, but I was very concerned about the relationship. Your guidelines for when that's appropriate also added to that clarity. I don't have younger children in the home. I was able to take off pressure and make some other decisions. When your back is against the wall like that, you really start valuating what's important. Earlier, we were talking about having a moment where you felt like things went awry. And and after I heard your story, I kind of, I don't think it was a step back at all. It was definitely a difficult moment. But it was a good example of sometimes when you get into it with your child, you don't have a choice and things are really unfair. And problem solving becomes something that many other parents would dig their heels in and say, nope, you got to respect me. I got to figure this out. I have to stand up. And, And you made a decision that I don't think a lot of parents would have felt was okay. Do you mind sharing that? Not at all, because it's very, it very much ties into what we're talking about, where my actions and reactions are based off the relationship with my son is number one. I recently instituted a new boundary in my home that my son would be doing his own laundry. I announced that boundary when he had a lot of clean clothes. So he was like, yeah, whatever, mom. And life went on. Five days later, when he doesn't have any clean clothes, and can't go out of our house. When I walked through the door that day for work and he hadn't been able to go out and have his day as he had planned, he was heated. Luckily, I have proactive plans as to what I'm going to do when he is heated and so that I don't get heated, so that I do save the relationship. So I threw on my tennis shoes, I grabbed the leash and the dog and I went for a walk. So when, when things have cooled down, I come back in the house I eat, he ends up eating, but that night when I decide to go to bed, um, I'm brushing my teeth in, in the restroom and he comes in and he really gets in my personal space. This is a way he's communicated his frustration to me since he was a toddler. Mm. So I knew that he was not calm, that there was a lot going on underneath the surface, underneath the iceberg, he's boiling. I continue to brush my teeth and he starts to escalate and talk to me, at which point I ask him to leave my room. 
and he won't. And I end up leaving my room, but he locks my bedroom door and locks me out. We kind of have a moment where we banter through the door and I realize like, oh, I'm starting to engage in this. You were not going to get control over the situation or him letting you in at that moment. And if you could, you would. A lot of parents at that moment would say, well, of course I've got to. i got to teach this dude a lesson. I've got to get my rights. It's my right to be in my room and I'm going to break through that door. I'm going to break the lock or I'm going to do something. I get it. Causing and participating in more chaos doesn't usually lead to some epiphany that makes everything better. It damages the relationship. It doesn't get you what you want. And it would probably result in you not being able to sleep anyway. Exactly. I've had enough experience. I've done this tango with him a lot of times. I know at this point, do I want this to go on five more minutes or do I want it to go on five more hours? If I participate, it very likely could go on a long time. And I go sleep in the guest bedroom and try to fall asleep. But I knew that I was showing up as the calm parent. I also have come to learn that the only way my child's going to grow is if he reflects, because that's how we grow as humans. Mm-hmm. And if he, if I'm showing up in a bad way, his reflection on this situation is going to be that I was the problem mm-hmm. and he's not going to look at himself. I make that hard choice and I do go sleep in the guest bedroom and I let it go and I get up and I go to work the next day and I come home and he comes down for dinner and he says, I'm sorry about last night. Can you teach me how to use the washing machine? And I say, thank you for your apology. And of course, let's get your clothes in the washer. Did you stick to the boundary of it? No, I didn't touch anything. And I knew that was coming. I knew it was going to be like, oh, I'll put the clothes in and the mom will, will, you know, put in the soap and finish it. And I thought to myself, so the way our laundry is situated, I wasn't even going to get within like 10 feet of that washing machine. (laughs) Like it was going to be real clear from my physical proximity that like, this is your deal, buddy. You weren't engaged in the insanity, but you also didn't get retribution because you had to sleep in the guest room. You didn't you, you didn't focus on the things that weren't going to be helpful or, like you said, help him grow. And you were aware enough to focus on what you wanted, which was for him to learn. And you focused on it in a way of knowing I have to let him either learn or not learn. You didn't need him to learn. And interestingly, that resulted in him being able to say sorry and make amends, which... I know your history. He wouldn't have been able to do had you came at him aggressively or participated. You also followed through with your boundary. It is mind-blowing to me how many parents will just kind of follow through with the boundary, kind of not follow through with the boundary, or not follow through at all, but they'll come angry. They will make sure to nag or have the long four-hour conversation. And, And it's interesting because people, not just teens, People respond to consistent boundaries because they have to, not because they want to, not because they've learned some lesson, but because there's no other choice when you're consistent. And so he wasn't going to have clothes if you're consistent with the boundary. You did something that a lot of parents are not used to doing. They're scared to do. And if, if we had other parents, they'd say, well, my child would have just never done their clothes, so I would have to do it. I'm going, yeah, but that, that's because you, they know that you'll eventually do it. But my child would have punched a hole in the wall, right? There's all these reasons that parents aren't consistent with their boundaries, and I get that. I'm, I'm not I'm not faulting them for it, but we have to take responsibility. Am I willing or not? Not, well, here's why I'm not willing. It's just don't set the boundary if you're not willing. 
or don't yeah. set a boundary that you're not able to follow through. That that's hard pill for a lot of parents to swallow. But I, I commend you because it's not just that you put the relationship first, you also put yourself first. You needed to get to sleep. You had to practice self-care the best that you can. Sometimes things get in the way of us being able to take care of ourselves the way that we want to. But it's important that we are consistent in doing what we can to take care of ourselves. And you would not have been taking care of yourself had you spent three hours arguing and trying to get through that door. No. And it wouldn't have just been three hours. It would have been three hours that night plus the cleanup the next day. I had to have all those other experiences to humble me enough to know that like walking away was the best thing for both of us. I appreciate your reflection on this with me because I hadn't thought of that as self-care for myself. I really had looked at it as this is what's best for Brandon. I'm tired. I know I have the potential to say things that aren't going to be helpful, useful, kind. I'm going to walk away. My focus was on him, but if there's a next time I find myself in that situation, I will also add, that's what's best for me. If it's best for me and best for him, best for our relationship, then by default, it's best for him. What's best for the relationship is you being okay the best that you can, right? Mm -hmm. Self-care in parenting is vital. I, I really appreciate you being on and being willing to share this part of your testimony. I know that you have been on quite the parenting journey. You are a, a hero as a parent, and your child is so blessed to have you. And uh, I know that you're helping a lot of parents that uh, come across you and your story. So thank you for being on. Thank you, Brandon, for your group. Absolutely. Absolutely.